0: Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word, so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. This morning, we are so happy to have you mothers who are here to say Happy Mother's Day to you. And I want to thank um, my son-in-law, Ryan, for allowing me to give the Word of God I think the uh, greatest thing that the Lord allowed me to do when he saved me was that I was able to teach his word. And that has been the most precious thing. So every time I get the opportunity to, to do it, I honor the Lord and I thank the person who lets me give his word because I know it never fails. Never fails, no matter what we go through. So this morning, I'm going to make it short. I've been married to my husband 52 years and been in ministry 52 years. So I understand how important it is to have a short sermon. (laughs) That's why when we were married about 10 years, I began writing his sermons with a cutoff. So today I'm going to try to hurry up, but give you the word so that you can go and be with your family, with your mother. And with your friends so this morning I I'm going to talk uh, to you about what's a mother to do now I know Mother's Day we say Happy Mother's Day but there are a lot of mothers that this day is not real happy for them a lot of times because they've lost a child uh, an adult child a teenage child or a child through miscarriage or their mother is gone. So Mother's Day for everyone is not the same. There are women who were not able to be a mother. And so for them, it can be painful. But I can tell you this by experience, that no matter what situation you are in as a man or woman, God is able to give you the victory to love life in him. And to go on. So today I'm going to encourage you no matter what, um, how you're feeling in your heart or what's going on in your life, Jesus knows exactly what's going on and he's going to tell you in his word that he's not going to fail you, he's not going to leave you, he's not going to turn on you, he's going to help you. So are you ready? Okay, I don't know if you know it or not, but we live in a country and a world that is very deceitful. Does anybody not know that? You don't know what to believe. It, I have never seen it. I, I knew that things were going to be bad at the end of time before Jesus come back, but I never dreamed that it would be like this. I mean, I'm not just talking about the news. I haven't listened to the news for two years. I told JD if there was a tragedy that happened in the world, a nuclear bomb or something, just let me know. But I, I just can't stand to watch it because what do you believe? It doesn't matter what side, what, what network you watch, you're not sure if they're telling the truth. And because of that, we are a people that are anxious fearful, angry. We just don't know how to live life in the joy of the Lord. So I want to give you something today that if you will believe it, it will free you of all the lies that you hear all day long. And that is what God says in this is complete truth. Completely. It is infallible. It is victorious. And if you ever grab hold of it, then your life becomes victorious, happy, joyful, no matter what situation you're in. Okay, so that is a truth. And what's great about it is, it doesn't matter if you believe it or I believe it, it doesn't change it. It is true no matter what, no matter what anybody says against it, no matter if anybody wants to change it, it does not change, it is complete truth. So everyone in this building, I want to tell you, you are a human being, just in case you didn't know. And for all of you who are listening out there on live stream, you are a human being And you were created by God. Unless you're sitting with your little dog out there, we're not talking about them. But if you are a human being, you were created in the image of God. And you were born either a male or a female. And God was the one who determined it. He's the one that said, this is what you are. You can just bank on that. You don't have to you don't have to read any other thing to know that's completely true. And that frees you. Then it's he determined that before you were born. There are many scriptures that talk about us being created by God and formed by God before the world ever was created. And the reason that God said that was because in the mind and heart of God, before the ground that you got your feet on was ever put there, he had you in his mind. He knew you were going to be born. He knew what family you were going to be born in. He knew, um, what, uh, date, what time he knew what city, country. He knew everything before this was ever created. And I'm just going to give you one scripture to prove it. God is talking to Jeremiah in Jeremiah one and five. And he says to Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. He had your DNA He had everything about you planned. He had your life planned out, but he gave you and I the choice if we want to go into that plan. So if you and I could have been back there before God created this world, we might've had a conversation with him because see, that's one thing. I don't think there's anybody in this room that remembers being in their mother's womb. I think that's one of the things he hid from us. But if we could have been back there, God would have probably said, um, okay, I'm allowing you to be born. I'm going to let you be born by this mother and into this family. And we might have said, oh, Lord, do you know how many crazies are in that family? And he probably would have responded to you and I and said, yes, and you'll fit in quite well. So he knew who your mama was going to be, who your dad was going to be. And he knew if they were going to be saved or not saved, if they were going to be good or not good, if they were going to be loving or caring or not caring, he knew all of that. And he still wanted you to be born because he knew what he could do in your life despite what family you were in, what circumstance you were in, he knew that with him, all things are possible. You could have a wonderful life. Now, what has happened is you and I were conceived in our mother's womb. And from that moment, from that moment of, con- of conception, we were in a war. And um, we were in a war of being born. We have an enemy, his name is Satan, that's in this. Whether we believe it or not, he has an army, that's in this. And he is against us, he did not want any of us in this room or out there or any of us to be born. And this is why he didn't want us born. He did not want us to become born again. Because he knew if you and I became born again, That we would be connected to the one who had defeated him before the worlds were created. Jesus is the victor. And he knew that if you had the opportunity to be born, it didn't matter what family you were in, what circumstance you were in, the gospel was going to come some way or another to you. If it had to be God himself sending an angel down and saying, you need Jesus, because it is not his will that any of us perish, but all of us become, uh, have life in Jesus Christ. So what's a mother to do? Now, I'm gonna talk today, uh, I'm just gonna give you two points. Aren't you glad? I'm gonna uh, give you uh, a young boy in the scripture, that um, had the influence of his mother and his grandmother and how he affected the world for Jesus Christ. There are a lot of women that you could talk about today, good ones and bad ones in the scripture, but these two are not usually mentioned often at all. And the boy's name is Timothy. And Paul is writing about Timothy because he kind of took him as a, a son, a spiritual son, and Paul was in prison when he wrote this to Timothy and, uh, he was in prison a lot, but this time he knew he, he would probably be executed. So he's writing this second letter to Timothy, his spiritual son that he loved like a son. And it's second Timothy chapter one, verse three. And, and Paul says, Timothy, I thank God for you. The God I serve with a clear conscience just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we're together again. I remember, Timothy, your genuine faith, for you share that faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I know the same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid hands on you. And now this scripture we know many of us know by heart. Paul says for God has not given us the spirit of fear and timidity but of power love and a sound discipline. I like the King James version because it says a sound mind. And if anything is needed, it's people with sound minds in this world. So Paul's mentioning in Eunice and uh, his grandmother Lois. And he says, this is what was so special about the two of them. In 2 Timothy 3 verse 15, this is what these women did. Paul says, Timothy, you've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes from trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true, what is to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us what to do, what is right. So this is what his grandma and his mama did for him. They taught Timothy the scripture The Old Testament. You know what's wonderful about this? He said, all scripture is inspired by God. What happened was when Timothy was a boy, his mom and his mom and grandma taught him the Old Testament, which many times we don't read and see Jesus As the Messiah in it. But what happened was because he was taught those scriptures, when the conviction of the Holy Spirit came and said, Jesus, he is the Messiah, Timothy, he could look back at the word and say, Yes, this is the Messiah. So that's how powerful the, the scripture is, and that's what they did. Now, if you were a, a little boy in Rome, uh, you, your mama was your main influence. And what she did was she would start teaching you to read when you were about six or seven. But then there were those mothers who were competitive and they would start their children at three. And then when they all get together, say, oh, my son can read. Uh, Not as good as mine. I started when I was two. You know, so that's how the Romans did. But the Jewish people were different. They started learning the scripture when they were about five or six, but what they would do is they taught them instead of reading, they taught them to, how to meditate and to recite it, because they knew they probably had a kid with ADD or ADHD or ADDHDHD, <laughs> and that they knew if they read it, they could read the whole page, and by the end of the page, they had no idea what they were reading. It was more important to them that they would teach them to meditate. This is God. This is God. And then recite, tell me what I just taught you to memorize. And so by the time they got to be 12, 13, they knew the first five books of the Bible. They knew the word of God. Now, this is what was different with Timothy. Timothy. His mom and his grandma were Jewish, but his dad was a Greek. So what happened was it fell on his mom and his grandmother to teach them the law, where usually the Jewish fathers are the ones that taught. But according to the Mishnah, which is just the oral compilation of um, uh, tradition and oral um, laws of the Jewish people. Jewishness would come down through the mother. And so the mother, especially if she was married to a Greek, she would take over and begin to teach her children. So here it is. Number one, what is a mother to do? A mother is to teach genuine faith in Jesus. Now I'm going to say a real kind of profound statement here, and it may be very complex and very difficult to handle. But... To teach genuine faith in Jesus, you have to teach Jesus. Jesus. Did you know that when you start studying the scripture, you can actually know the personality of Jesus? You can look and find out, (laughs) you know, the amazing thing about it was here he was, he was a perfect kid. Can you imagine having half brothers and sisters that are not perfect and you are perfect? Do you imagine what that family was like? Because he never lied. He never sinned. He never was selfish. He never was the favored one. But the other children, you know, they had to, it kind of showed up their humanness. So here's Jesus. You learn all that in the scripture. You learn that when he was the age of 12 to the age of 30, they're called the hidden years of Christ. The scripture says he was a carpenter. So from the age of 12 to the age of 30, he worked in the carpenter shop with his father. And history tells that his father died when he was younger and he had to take over the family and provide because at the cross, Jesus gave the responsibility of his mother to, to John to take care of. Otherwise it would have been to Joseph, but he was not alive then. So he is in the carpenter shop and he's working. Well, what did he do? He didn't make any miracles. He didn't raise anybody from the dead. He didn't heal anybody. What he did was he went into work every day. And he would go and he, the main um, occupation of a carpenter back then was that they would make yoke for the oxen. Now, can you imagine Jesus, he's working and he looks out and he sees the tree that he made. And he sees the old oxen that he made. And he's got to put a yoke on this oxen to pull the burden so that the burden will not gall him and that the burden will not cause him to fall. He makes it perfect. That's what he does in our life. We, he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart. What he expects from you and I, is not hard but the enemy of our soul wants to make it hard so what is it we have to teach jesus to them now i want you to look at second timothy chapter 1 verse 5 in the king james version i like it i'm just going to give you one word out of this and tell you what the original means and um so you can see how it was really written in the original and how it was translated Paul says when I call to remember, remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice I'm persuaded it's in thee the word I want you to look at is unfeigned in the new living translation that we read it was genuine but this word in the original Greek is this it is two words made up of two un which means not feigned which means hypocrite. So in other words, not a hypocrite or not acting beneath a disguise. So Paul says, I can see the non-hypocritical faith in you, Timothy, that was in your mother, and that was in your, uh, that was in your mother uh, Eunice and your grandma Lois. It's also in you, Timothy, you're not a hypocrite. So he's saying this to, I can see this in you, And it first was with them. So they taught you how to do this. Now, back in Jesus' days, the actors, what they did in the Greek, they would take a a mask and they'd put on a stick and they'd put it in front of them and they would come out and act whatever that mask was. And actors in the Greek times were called hypocrites. So can you imagine this? You saying Chris Pratt played a great hypocrite in Jurassic World. He was the most awesome hypocrite I have ever seen. Or Angelina Jolie, oh, she is a beautiful hypocrite. Or they, her and Brad, uh, those hypocrites, they have a lot of children. You know, so that's the original word. It meant that they were acting beneath, uh, that's who they weren't really in real life. And Paul said, you have to be genuine in your faith in Jesus when you walk this life, because people are going to see. And I think one of the reasons why that it is so important is because fear will come on us and we won't want to exactly be what we're supposed to be, especially nowadays. Free speech? No. Free speech doesn't come without a uh, free speech doesn't come out without consequences. You've got to be able to know and believe and stand for what you are, no matter what the circumstances come afterwards. And that's very difficult to do nowadays because it's not allowed as much as as we used to know it in our country. So what is it that they had to do? They had to be genuine in their faith and not a hypocrite. Because you see what we don't realize is the people in the biblical days, they were human like you and I. Moms, we are going to miss it. We're not going to be perfect. Eunice and Lois were not perfect. They they made mistakes. They had days when they were really not good. And they had days when their emotions were all over the place. They had days when they were upset. They had days when they were just exhausted and tired. But in all of that, they could still turn around and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Help me and start operating in that faith so that they, that their children could see Jesus. So here it is. Paul, Peter, and, um, some of the Christian Jewish Christians uh, were chastised by Paul because what they did was when they would go out and they would eat with the, Jew, with the Jewish Christians, everything was fine. But if they went to the Gentile Christians and ate, then they were not looked at as well because of the scriptures in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. But when Peter came to Antioch, this is Paul talking, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile Christians who were not circumcised. But afterwards, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of the criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of of circumcision. As a result Other Jewish Christians followed Peter's hypocrisy and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So you see, we miss it. That's what I want us, I want you to know this. The people who wrote down the word of God were imperfect, but the man behind the words was perfect. And so what was written was written from God. Even though they missed it many times, and they had relationship uh, um, times when they just couldn't get along, and I'm thinking, Lord, there have been times I have prayed, "Help me get along with this person." I'm having a really difficult time, Lord, because I don't think I'm as mean as they are. (laughs) You know, we we always start judging when we can't get along with somebody. It's got to be them. It cannot be us because we are sweet. <laughs> so what's a mother to do? She's teach Jesus. Teach Jesus to your children. But you got to know who he is in your life. Then the second thing, here it is. Teach your children by being a living example. That same scripture of 2 Timothy 1.5 in the King James. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which, here's the word, dwelt First in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded that it's in thee also. The word dwelt there means that his faith, his genuine faith, was at home in Timothy. It was had full sway. See, I can go in my home. You can go in your home, and basically, except for the young people, they can go in every home, uh, in every room in their home, except maybe their parents' room, that may be off limits. But you, you have full sway. That's what he's talking about here. The faith that Timothy had, had full sway in his life. It was so genuine that it would come up first out of Timothy. It was so ingrained in him that it, when he was tempted, which he was to fear, to lie, to cheat, to lust and compromise, the faith would come up. the the convincing and the conviction of the Holy Spirit would come up in him. And so what would happen, he still had to make the choice. Am I going to do what the, the Holy Spirit is telling me or am I just gonna do what I wanna do? He had to make the choice. So what happens with you, church, and mothers and fathers and young people? What happens with you? Does your faith rise up first? Is positive before negative? Is it that, uh, you know, whenever you hear something good, something bad just comes up to you right then? I can tell you this. The older that my husband gets, I like to say it that way. He wasn't able to be here this morning. He has um, allergy, sinus strain. He's real bad and he coughs and it sounds like, COVID like he needs to be on a respirator, but he doesn't have that. He's just didn't want to come and cough in front of everybody. So when he, when I get the microphone, he gets really nervous because he has used me for an example for 52 years. (laughs) And I can tell you this, that my reward in heaven is great, (laughs) but I love him. And I can tell you that the older that both of us get, The more evil we see in the world, the more TV we watch, the more movies, the more YouTube you watch, social media, young people, the more Facebook, the more Instagram, the more TikTok, the more WhatsApp, the more WhatsApp. You know, there's just so many everything. The more you see of that, the more negative. It's all negative. And they may spur it with just a little bit of, you know, oh that's good. But it's negative so that it will get you to believe that God cannot do anything in your life. That it's, this, this is all you have. That he doesn't work miracles anymore. See, we would like the scripture to say, now faith comes by seeing. And seeing by what God will do. That's what we like. But that's not what the scripture says. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. That hearing means... Uh, an experience knowing without having to see it happen. Jesus told Thomas, Thomas, you've put your hand in my hand and my side and you believe now, but I can tell you blessed, more blessed are those who have not seen me and still believe that I can do this in their life. And I can tell you, church, one of the greatest examples of people seeing miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle and not believing God is Israel coming out of Egypt. They were 400 years a slave. Everybody that came out of Egypt was a slave. They knew no freedom and they didn't even understand what freedom would be. But God sends them Moses and then it starts, God says, I'm gonna show who I am to them. And so he goes to, to Pharaoh and Pharaoh won't let him go. So he turns the water into blood, the Nile River. That didn't work with Pharaoh. Then he sent frogs. Frogs was in their beds. Frogs was in their food. Frogs was in their laundry. Frogs were everywhere, everywhere in their shower. Frogs were everywhere that didn't work. So God said, okay, I'm going to send swarms of, uh, I'm going to send lice. Now it's not the lice. It's the flying lice that would come and multiply and would bite you swarms of them. That didn't work. I mean, his, his, uh, favor was still hardened to it. So God says, okay, I'm going to send swarms of flies. Now we're not talking the little fruit fly that you brush off when you don't want to get on your food. These were dung beetles, large dung beetles, swarms of them, kind of gross. They would eat on manure, but they had a bite that could actually bite through wood. He said swarms of them. Now I'm not going to let them go. Well, then he diseased the livestock to where they couldn't eat them and their livestock would die. That didn't work so he said okay I'm gonna put boils and sores on the Egyptians now Israel seeing all this okay Israel is seeing God taking care of the enemy yeah. in their life yeah. and that didn't work so he said okay I'm gonna send hail hail came if they were outside it hit many of them and killed them it, it destroyed their crops it would destroy their homes things that they had outside it would take care of, that didn't that didn't work. So he said, okay, I'm going to send to you locusts. They're going to eat up the rest of the crops that weren't damaged by the hail. Well, that didn't work. So he's got two more. The, the second to the last one is really amazing. It was darkness. Nothing like you and I ever see. They could not see their hand in front of their face. That's how dark... History tells that it was so dark in in Egypt, they wouldn't get out of the house for three days. They stayed in the home because they would run into everything. So that meant their whatever livestock or whatever was going on outside, they couldn't care for. But there was light in Israel. Israel saw that. But the last one, he said, this is gonna move Pharaoh. He said, you take the lamb and you, and you slaughter the lamb and you take the blood and you put it over the doorpost of your home. You get your family in that house. Don't let anybody go out. And when I sing the death angel, they will pass over your family and no one will die. And that's exactly what happened. But Israel had to do it. If there had been an Egyptian that had done that, their firstborn would not have died because it does not matter. We are all on the same level with God and it takes the blood of Jesus. So mothers, take your children spiritually in your home. Put the blood of Jesus over it. No matter what you see them doing, if you have older children that have grown and gone out and you've made the mistake of not giving them Christ, Repent of it, let it go. God will take care of it at the cross and say, Lord, I bring spiritually my adult children and their spouses into my home and I put the blood of Jesus over this door and there will be no one lost. I'm telling you, church, Jesus wants them saved more than you do. I, I, I have loved ones who are outside. Can I tell you, I am not gonna condemn them in their face. I'm gonna to talk to God, he knows what they're doing, I know what they're doing, they know what they're doing. So I just talk to them like they're saved. <laughs> they don't wanna answer the phone a lot of times. When I say, hey, I haven't seen you in a long time, I'm gonna come visit you. Oh, we're not gonna be here that week. (laughs) But you know, it's not about me because I've taken them in my home, put the blood over it and I said, Jesus, they know you. They know you. They were raised the way they're supposed to be uh, a Christian and you will take care of it because you want them. You died for them as you died for us. So church mothers, we are, we are safe in the arms of Jesus. But I'm going to finish with this illustration about Israel. So they saw all that. They're delivered. They get to the Red Sea, no way across. Two million people walking with all of their livestock, their children. They're walking, they get to the Red Sea and they can't get over And they see God take that water and put it on each side to where they walk across, not on mud, not on potholes, not on muddy poles, but they are on dry ground. Six hours they march through to get to the other side. They get to the other side and here comes their enemy. He comes with horses and chariots and all of their weapons that they could kill every one of them. And they see that. And then Israel looks and sees God just take the water and destroy their enemy. And they're going, yes, Lord. Oh, you're wonderful. You're wonderful. But they get out and they don't have any water. And God gives them water. They get out and they don't have any food. God gives them manna. They get out and they want. Oh, we want meat. We used to have meat. God gives them meat. Then God gives them and takes them up to the brink of the promised land. They can see over in the promised land. He sends 12 spies into the promised land. They see this beautiful land flowing. The scripture says milk and honey, which just means that it's very fertile, that they they could grow anything in. In fact. Two of them brought back a uh, cluster of grapes that the two men had to carry that was that large. So everything was beautiful. It was a great uh, large uh, land. They wouldn't be stuffed anymore together. But what did they see? Ten of them saw giants. Two of them saw giants. All 12 saw the giants. But what did 10 of them say? we can't go in. They will kill our children. They will destroy us. They, we are like grasshoppers in their sight. But two of them said, Oh no, God has promised this land to us. We can take it. Do you know why church? And this is a lesson. If you don't hear anything else I say to you today, let me remember this. The 10 spies saw the giants in relationship to themselves. Caleb and Joshua saw the giants in relationship to God. And when you and I go through life, young people, and we see Giants in our land, bullies. We see people who seem to put us out. We can't be a part. We're not good. When we see that giant, know that God is the one that is directing our life. And he will never fail you. He will never fail you. So what happened? They came back and the 10 gave an evil report and the two gave The report of the Lord. So the two that gave the report of the Lord saw the promised land. Mothers, you can see the promised land in your life, in your marriage, in your work, in your home. You can see the promise of the Lord. I can tell you today that his presence has been here. I can tell you that this word that I've given to you will not return void to him, but it will accomplish in your life what he wanted you to hear today about Jesus. And it will carry you far beyond getting in the car, driving home, when you go to your house, it will carry you there, it will keep you, but you have to renew your mind all the time because see, when you're saved, your spirit is what's born again not your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect, your personality, the inner you. That is renewed by this. But the spirit of God is in you to tell you that this is truth. This is genuine. This is real. Today is a day that we honor mothers. But fathers, I want to tell you, we honor you today too. Because God wants to bless the family. He wants the family to know Him and the power of His resurrection. So, could I have all of the ladies and young girls, if you would stand right now, I'm going to do a prayer for you over you. Thank you again, Ryan. For allowing me to speak today, and I want to thank him for my shoes. Um, he and Andrea a couple years ago was in Dillard's and he held him up and, or she held him up, and uh, Ryan said those are Vicky's shoes. So I got my shoes. I have six band aids on, but they're they're good. <laughs> God is so good. He wants you to be joyful. He knew life was going to be like this. He knew, mothers, that if somebody had told you, you need to do one more thing, it'd just carry you over the limit. But these two things I've given you today will free you. You do these two things, and things will drop off. Things that have stressed you, things that you had no control over, things that you couldn't fix will drop off and you'll see the hand of God move. I'm telling you, he is real. He wants to do the miracles in your life, but he wants to do it according to scripture. You know what scripture says? Miracles or works of wonder follow those that believe. I'm believing my children are saved. Oop, here they come. I'm believing that my marriage will be uh, uh, saved. Here comes the love. It doesn't always happen the way that we want it to happen, but God is always doing the better thing. He knows what you need. Father, I just praise you this morning for your goodness. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your presence here. Father, I ask in Jesus' name right now for the mothers who have lost children and who uh, through either um, miscarriage or they've lost for an accident or illness. Father, today, you are the God of all comfort. You comfort them today, Lord, and carry it on until they see their child again. Father, I pray for those women who have not been able to conceive to have a child. I pray, Father, that the joy of the Lord will be their strength, that every day they will be strengthened, that you know what you're doing you know who they are and let them be a mother lord to children who have no mother let them give that motherly advice and that motherly love to to children that need that mother Father, I thank you for the young women, the young people, the singles who are here. I pray in Jesus' name you will protect them. You will not let the lie of the enemy come to them concerning their life and concerning their purity and their wholeness. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you will reveal yourself clearly to them, even as teenagers. Father, our young children that are back there, I pray that they be saved. Every one, every child that comes into that children's church will be saved, and they will go home, oh Lord, and, and tell Jesus to their unsaved parents, and their parents will get saved. Father, I praise you, because this is the anointing that you have placed upon this church, that Jesus is Lord that he is real, that he will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can even ask or think, according to the power that works in you. Father, I bless you today. You are a wonderful God. You are a wonderful God. Now, gentlemen and and young boys, can you stand too? I'm so thankful today again for the opportunity to to give you the most important thing in your life and that is Jesus and he wants to be a part of you and real to you thanks for listening if you enjoyed today's message be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at transform TLH thanks again for listening and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday have a great week